Hello and welcome to the Reorg EMEA podcast, your weekly roundup of the most interesting trends and developments in performing credit, stressed and distressed, restructuring and post reorg in the European and SEMA markets. It's Tuesday, November the 29th. I'm Caterina Dassier. Coming up this week, high-yield editor Robert Schack will discuss the latest developments around UK-based chemical maker Benator as it conducts that talks. Middle market reporter Andrew Ross will talk us through two topical names in Spain, Naviera Armas and food delivery brands, also known as Telepizza. I will then have a chat with editor Magnus Sherman about Netherlands headquartered telecoms group Vion, which has proposed an eight-month extension to its two 2023 notes. Finally, distressed debt editor Aurelia Seide Offer will discuss the news of the locked-up agreement the German real estate company Adler signed with a group of bondholders. We would like to hear your feedback to help us improve the podcast experience, so please take a moment to complete the short survey at the link attached to this podcast and let us know how we're doing. UK-based chemical maker Venator and its creditors recently appointed restructuring advisors. Rob, can you tell us a bit about what is happening? Venator is facing upcoming maturities in 2024 and 2025, which means that it needs to refinance next year. However, the group's senior secured loans are trading in the 70s and its unsecured bonds in the 30s, which makes it all but impossible to refinance. As a result, the company will need to restructure its debt. Holders of its first lien loans retained Houlihan Loki as financial and Davis Polk and Wardwell as legal advisors. A group of cross-holders in both the senior secured and unsecured debt is working with Lazard and Gibson Dunn, while the company mandated Alvarez and Marcel and Kirkland and Ellis. But why has Venator debts traded off so much? The group's earnings have come under pressure as a result of the current macroeconomic headwinds. Venator is a titanium dioxide producer, which is a highly cyclical and commoditized product, typically used in paints, hence construction, and the auto sector. But crucially, Venator is also one of the weakest companies in the sector. This is partly as a result of having the highest cost base among its peers due to operating older plants, but also because it's the most exposed to Europe in terms of sales, which is the geography likely to experience the deepest recession next year. Venator's sales volumes of titanium dioxide are on a steep downward trajectory. Third quarter sales this year fell 25% versus the second quarter, and are expected to fall by another 20% sequentially in the fourth quarter. Adjusted EBITDA already turned negative in the third quarter, which means losses will deepen in the next quarter. So it sounds like they are in a challenging position. Could they run out of liquidity? Not in the near term. Venator still had $45 million of cash and 230 $3 million available under its asset-backed lending facility at the end of the third quarter, and it does not expect covenants to be an issue in the fourth quarter. The group expects to break even in terms of free cash flow next quarter as a result of releasing cash from working capital by running down its inventories and selling its Los Angeles pigment production plant under a sale and leaseback deal for $51 million. Veneta is also trying to raise cash from asset disposals. In November, it sold its iron oxide business that was part of its color pigments business to Cathay Industries for $140 million, and it's looking for, at further asset sales. And how long do you think the company is likely to be in this challenging position for? 
So the next two years will definitely um, remain extremely challenging for the group, which also faces an additional headwind from high energy costs, since it's only partially hedged them. S&P forecasts that operating free cash flow will remain negative during 2023 as well as 2024, so the group will need to right-size its capital structure to be able to ride out the downturn, which will likely entail some steep haircuts and potential new money. Thanks, Rob. The war in Ukraine has entered its 10th month, and companies are still divesting Russian subsidiaries to escape Western economic sanctions. High-yield bond issuer Vion recently announced a decision to offload its Russian operations, and earlier today, I asked senior editor Magnus Sherman how important that deal is for the company. Yeah, this is a very significant transaction for Vion. Um, about half of its EBITDA in 2021 came from the Russian Vimplecom side, and uh, the uh, the transaction announced last week has an expected uh, EV of 370 billion rubles, which is about 6.1 billion dollars. Um, and on a standalone, Vimplecom generated 339 billion rubles uh, of revenue last year and 115 billion of um, of EBITDA. Vion is going to sell this company to the senior management team at Vimplecom and most of the consideration will be uh, Vimplecom taking on and discharging certain Vion holdings debt. So um, bringing down the debt of uh, the Vion headquarters uh, balance sheet. But it's such a big transaction that it's going to take a while to um, to actually implement. It still needs a lot of uh, approvals to go through. Um, and the company at the same time has two large bond maturities due at the start of next year in 2023, uh, about 500 million due in February and then 700 million due in April. So the closing of the Russian transaction will come very close to the maturity of these bonds and to make sure that there's no uh, complications there, the company has launched uh, an English scheme of arrangement asking bondholders to uh, extend their bond maturity by eight months, so to the fourth quarter of 2023. And um, uh, then at that time, the company should and hopes to have uh, much better access to international debt markets and can, can deal with the bonds uh, at a later time, also when, when the Russian assets and the indirect sanctions that come with that have been removed from the uh, from the company. When Vion launched its um, scheme last week, there was a, a few interesting things to note. One was that as part of the bondholder ID process that they've been running, they have discovered that about 60% of these 2023 bonds, which, are, which total about $1.2 billion, are now held in Russian uh, NSD accounts. NSD is sort of the similar, uh, the, the Russian equivalent to Euroclear or Clearstream. And because the NSD is sanctioned by the EU, there's very, very limited flow between NSD and Western bondholders, for instance. And so the company is also saying that that's another reason why they wouldn't want to pay them down while there's still um, indirect sanctions uh, impacts on the company because of the the, uh, the sanctions on NSD. So um, so that's, an, I think, an in- interesting point to note. And they also said that 50% of the mature, of the bonds maturing after 2023 are held by 
not necessarily by Russians, but held in the Russian NSD system. So I think that's uh, worth noting. We have uh, a, a um, an initial scheme meeting lined up for the 20th of December, and then the, um, the rest of the meetings are going to take place uh, in the end of January. Hi, Andrew. Thanks for joining us today. Last week, you wrote about Spanish ferry operator um, Naviera Armas, which is considering options to address its liquidity. What can you tell us about the situation? Hi. Sure. Well, due to a combination of increased fuel costs and some previously implemented restrictions on the ferry operator's routes that connect Spain and Morocco, the company's liquidity position has been significantly weakened. At the moment, the company is considering a few options. One is a potential super senior new money injection from existing shareholders JP Morgan, Barings and Chain Capital, who were lenders before last year's restructuring. In return, the lenders would take control of the business. The company's lenders already own 49% of the company's ordinary Class A shares following the last year's restructuring. Other options uh, being considered include the sale of the business or the sale of some of its ships. And how long does Naviera have? Sources we've spoke to indicate to us that a solution will need to be found in the next one to two months. The company's liquidity forecast for January 1st, 2023 shows cash dropping below the 10 million euro minimum cash balance to 3.5 million euro. This could constitute a breach of the minimum cash financial covenant set out in the company's lockup agreement. And who are the company and the lenders working with? Naviera Armas continues to work with Hulahan Loki, which was appointed in June to find alternative financing after talks with CEPI broke down due to disagreements over its debt priority structure. According to press reports, JP Morgan, Barings and Chain Capital are working with PJT partners to accelerate talks with the Armas family, the company's founders, to close an agreement that guarantees the viability of the company. And uh, another topical name in Spain is uh, food delivery brands, also known as uh, Telepizza. It also faces liquidity issues, right? Indeed, Telepizza is being hit by rising costs, mainly electricity and raw materials. Last week, our colleagues reported that the company hired Hulhan Loki, as well as law firms Kirkland and Ellis, Uriah Menez, uh, to negotiate a potential debt restructuring and a new injection of liquidity. Last week, the company also published its third quarter results, which showed adjusted EBITDA pre-IFRS 16 falling 10.8% year over year to 11.7 million euros in the quarter, while cash and cash equivalents uh, plunged 45.4% to 26.5 million euros. Thank you, Andrew. Last Friday, the German real estate company Adler made a big announcement by saying it signed a lockup agreement with a group of bondholders. Under this agreement, the company will get almost up to 1 billion euros of new funding from bondholders and there will be some major changes to its bond. Could you summarize in simple terms what this means for the company? Yes, so uh, there's quite a lot of changes, but I think the main points are um, that, as you mentioned, the company will receive up to 937.5 million in new funding, which will mature in June 2025. 
and for which the providers of the new money will receive uh, contingent value rights equating to 25% equity and a coupon of 12.5% um, as a pick. Um, the main takeaway here is that um, this will give the company some breathing space and stabilize it and uh, help it um, uh, secure funding uh, until mid-2025. And Adler plans to use this money to repay some of the upcoming maturities, including the 500 million Adler real estate bond, which comes due in spring next year, and the 300 million Adler real estate bond due in 2024. And the agreement also stipulates that the 400 million Adler group bond due July 2024 <coughs> will be extended by one year. So you see the, the company has kind of a smooth runway, um, which will allow it to pursue asset sales in a more um, coordinated manner, um, because I'm sure you can appreciate the real estate market in Germany has been quite challenging. and It was very difficult for the company to execute planned asset sales. And uh, from memory, Aurelia, a major problem for the company was that it hasn't been able to find a new auditor after KPMG resigned and issued a disclaimer of opinion on the audited financial statements. And there was a real fear among investors that there would be an event of default next spring if they can deliver audited financial statements. What is the situation here now? Yeah, absolutely. That, that was indeed a very difficult um, situation for the company. But as part of this amendment, uh, bondholders will allow the company to deliver audited financial statements of the year 2022 until the end of 2023. So they have um, quite a long time now to find an auditor. And they said that they made an application to the court um, for them to appoint an auditor. And hopefully that uh, should resolve this issue. And what about the implementation of the deal? Will they use a restructuring process? No, so at this point, management said um, that they plan to implement a deal via a consent solicitation, uh, which means that they require about 75% consent by value of creditors attending a planned creditor meeting. And uh, at the moment, they are confident that uh, they can reach this level, but they also said that should this fail, there are alternative implementation methods, which include also some restructuring tools. Thank you, Aurelia. December 13th at 9am London time, Rigor will host a webinar of the latest policies and initiatives that the Chinese government released since November, and which are aimed at expanding access to financing for the privately held real estate developers. Register now for the webinar at Rigor.com. Also, Rigor customers can now analyze loan ownership profiles with the CLO dataset with access to detailed CLO information from nearly 200 managers, subscribers can filter through issuers, loans, maturity, spread, and much more to screen for lending opportunities. Contact sales at reorg.com for details. More information on all the situations and events discussed in this podcast are available on our website, reorg.com. 
We hope you can join us next Tuesday for another Reorg EMEA podcast. Until then, have a great week and thank you very much for listening.